sufficient for us to understand briefly what is a Muslim. And in the previous session, we have looked at the character building guidelines that are there in the five pillars of Islam. You know, we have looked at to various degrees the principles which underlie the pillars of Islam, faith and practice, etc. And in, in brief, we could say that a Muslim is one who has committed himself openly to submit himself to Allah. It is a commitment. A good Muslim would then be one who fulfills that commitment, one who acts on the statements that he or she makes concerning themselves in relationship to Allah. And as such, a better Muslim would be one who takes stock of himself or herself and tries to see how he or she may improve their practice of Islam. So, becoming a better Muslim fundamentally involves improvement on the basic practices of Islam that are required of us. Why I say that <coughs> it is improvement is because without the basic practices, if we are not ourselves fulfilling these basic practices, then it is questionable as to whether we are in fact Muslims. So one cannot become a better Muslim if one is in fact not fulfilling what is required of us to be a Muslim. So we have a foundation, the basic pillars of Islam, which we are expected to practice to the best of our ability. However, being human beings, we are not going to fulfill all of these practices in the best form at all times. We are prone to error. We are prone to turning whatever practices that we are required to perform into ritual, to forgetting the real meaning behind these rituals, you know, to be lost in just the outer action. It's very easy for this to take place. We may not do so intentionally, and as such, Allah, you know, does not curse us because of it. However, we are required to take stock of ourselves. We are required to look into our practices from time to time and to make sure that they are in accordance to the will of Allah. And we have to take stock just to maintain the basic practices properly. And further, to improve ourselves, it also requires that we look at what we're doing, not only make sure that it is basically in accordance with what Allah has willed from us, but also in that we are in a process of growth, a process of evolution, a process of development, not just hanging on by our fingernails. I mean, this is the basic Muslim, he's just clinging on 
by his fingernails. One who is a better Muslim is one who has pulled himself up, he is trying to improve, to develop, to, to achieve the goals that are behind the principles of Islam. The higher spiritual, moral goals that Allah has ordained for us in these pillars. And the way in which we may improve, take stock and improve, is a vast uh, route. It is not just one thing I can say to you, you do this and you will be a better Muslim, you know, all around. No, you do this thing, you may be a better Muslim in this aspect. But the various aspects of Islam are vast. They cover the whole scope of our lives. So, the improvement of that is going to require taking stock of all of the various aspects of our lives and trying to improve in the various areas. Understanding what is Sunnah and what is Bid'ah is important from a ideological or intellectual point of view for us to know really what it is that Allah requires of us but there are certain other aspects which have to do with what we could say are voluntary acts which in fact make the difference between a Muslim practicing and a better Muslim and <coughs> This is contained, this idea is contained in a particular statement of the Prophet reported by Abu Huraira in which he said that the Prophet said that Allah said I have declared war against whoever acts with hostility towards a friend of mine. The term for friend is wali which is normally translated as saint. But we have explained in previous lectures that this refers to one who is close to Allah, one who Allah considers to be a friend of his. And Allah is a friend of that individual. That is, one who submits himself or herself to Allah automatically falls in the category of being a friend of Allah. So Allah says, this is a hadith, what is called Hadith Qudsi. The Prophet is narrating to us something directly from Allah. He said that Allah said, I have declared war against whoever acts with hostility towards a friend of mine. My servant does not come closer to me with anything more beloved to me than what I have made obligatory for him. If he continues to come close to me with voluntary acts, I will love him. And when I love him, I become his hearing with which he hears, his sight with which he sees, his hand with which he grasps, and his feet with which he walks. And if he asks of me, I will grant him. And if he seeks my protection, I will protect him. This is reported by, or in Sahih al-Bukhari. And this hadith has a number of points that it's important for us, those who seek to be better Muslims, important for us to 
grasp and to understand. One, Allah has said that He declares war against anyone who tries to harm one who has submitted himself or herself to Allah. That if a person commits himself or herself to serve Allah to the best of their ability, that Allah will protect them. Such a person will find enemies. This is why Allah has made the statement. When a person chooses the path of Allah, it means all of the satanic forces will be gathered against this person. The satanic forces will appear in the form of human beings, maybe even people from their own family, their own children, parents. They will strive to turn this person back. But whenever such people gather in hostility to one who seeks to submit to Allah, Allah has said that He declares war against them. Let them know that He has declared war against them. And one who Allah has declared war against cannot succeed. It means Allah will defeat them. It means no matter what we are faced with, in the end we will be successful. Because Allah has committed Himself, has promised to defeat our enemies. Of course, it may be something that we are not able to grasp in this life, but success will ultimately be ours in the next life. It may be in this life also. You know, if Allah will, if it is His destiny, that those who choose this path, that Allah may defeat the enemies in His lifetime or in her lifetime. But it is with Allah. When Allah chooses to give that person ultimate success. So we have to have confidence that when we choose to submit ourselves to Allah, that Allah will defend us. Allah will oppose those who strive to harm us and ultimately we will succeed. This is confidence, this is the trust in Allah that we have to have. For us to be better Muslims. Because to be better Muslims it means making some sacrifice. Means doing extra. More than just the basics. And when we do extra, as I said, there are people who don't want us to do extra. There are forces that do not want us to do extra. So we will find difficulty. And the only way that we're able to overcome that difficulty is if we are certain within ourselves that Allah is with us. So we have to have that trust in Allah. We have to have that certainty for us to grow, for us to become better Muslims. Allah goes on to say that Of the things that we can do to come closer to Him, those which are most beloved to Him are the compulsory or obligatory duties. 
And this is where we start from. When we start to take stock of ourselves, to try to improve ourselves, we have to start with the obligatory duties. We cannot start from a set of voluntary acts. If our obligatory, this is our foundation, if that is not tight, then whatever else we're doing is a waste of time. Because Allah will ask us first and foremost about our obligatory duties. See, what we find is that those people who have chosen a deviant path under whatever title that they choose, what they will do is that they will neglect this foundation and they will bring for you a series of voluntary things that you can do. Many, many things which will keep you very busy. But in fact, these things take you farther away from Allah rather than closer to Allah. You cannot put a voluntary act before a, an obligatory act. This is why, for example, when the time for prayer comes, the compulsory prayer, if we haven't done the sunnah and the akama is given, for the compulsory prayer, we have to go and do the compulsory prayer and then we can do the sunnah after. Sunnah is voluntary. It's additional. The compulsory takes precedence over the voluntary. If you haven't made hajj before, your mother or your father died and they intended to make hajj, but they didn't. Islam allows you to make hajj for them but not before you make Hajj for yourself. That which is compulsory on you has to be given precedence over something additional. Because you making Hajj for your parents is not compulsory. If you didn't make it, Allah will reward them anyway. For their intention, if they have a sincere intention to make the Hajj, Allah will reward them for that intention. So you are not allowed to go and do that for them until you have done what is compulsory for yourself. So when we start to look at ourselves, to take stock of ourselves, to improve ourselves, we have to start with that which is obligatory on us. Because that is what is most loved to Allah. And when we say that we strive to be better Muslims, what we are saying in fact is we are striving to become more beloved to Allah. That Allah will love us more. And the basis of that love is on the obedience to what Allah has commanded. As Allah has said, when we pointed out concerning the Sunnah and the Bid'ah, Allah has said in the Quran, in Kuntum Shahibun Allah, Fatabi'uni Yahbibkum Allah. Allah told the Prophet to say to the believers, if you love Allah, you want to get closer to Allah. Then follow me, the Prophet Muhammad and Allah will love you. So we have to follow the way of the Prophet Muhammad to attain the love of Allah. And the things which the Prophet Muhammad stressed as compulsory, these are the first things that we have to do. So Allah here confirms that for us. But this is where we have, this is our starting point. We start with the compulsory. 
after we have gotten the compulsory together, that is, we are regular, five times daily prayer, on time, fajr, before sunrise, in the masjid in the case of the males, you know, making our prayers on time, you know, not waiting till the end of the day and praying all five prayers at the end of the day or praying two prayers together or three prayers together. This is not making, this is not taking care of our compulsory duty. This is neglecting it. This is negligence. This is not acceptable to Allah. Praying for Allah means praying it on time. Praying Fajr when Fajr comes in. And this, the Prophet said, Fajr was most difficult on the hypocrites. So this is a sign for us. If we find that we can hardly pray Fajr, then this is a sign that we are bordering on hypocrisy. No, brothers, why don't you shift across this way so that those who are coming in can just come right over here. So, after we have established the basics as they are ordained for us to establish them, then we go on to the voluntary acts. And the more we do the voluntary acts, the more we come closer to Allah and Allah will love us. As He has promised, if we do additional voluntary acts, all the various acts of Islam, there are voluntary acts which are connected with all of them. So we try to do as much of them as we can. The more we do, the more we earn the love of Allah. And when this becomes a part of our life, when it becomes our way, that whenever we have an opportunity to do additional acts of worship, we do them, when this becomes our way, then Allah says that He loves such a person. And when He loves that person, he becomes the hearing with which he hears, the sight with which he sees, the hands with which he touches, the feet with which he walks. Meaning not that Allah becomes that person. This is a mistaken understanding. There are some people who actually project this from this statement of Allah's in this hadith quoted by the Prophet Allah does not become that individual. But he becomes the hearing of the person by which the person hears. And in the hadith it doesn't say he becomes his ears. It says he becomes the hearing with which he hears. That is, that what he hears is what Allah wants him to hear. Allah becomes his hearing with which he hears. In other words, he hears he listens according to what Allah wants him to hear. Means he avoids useless talk. If he gets into a gathering, people are talking trash nonsense, he leaves. He may try to steer the conversation into something positive. If he finds he can't, people are insisting on talking foolishness, then he gets up and he leaves. Or she leaves. They do not 
remain there listening to what Allah does not want them to hear. Because if they're talking foolishness, of course, it's going to be filled with things which are displeasing to Allah. So, such a person guards his or her hearing by either changing the course of the conversation or by leaving the area. Similarly, the sight in that the individual sees what Allah wants him to see or wants her to see. Such an individual avoids looking at things which are displeasing to Allah. Whether it's in the form of magazines, videos, sites, going to places, you know, in every country there are places where there are things which are displeasing to Allah. So a person does not took himself on that situation or herself in that situation. You like to swim. You know these are the beaches where people go down there half naked. You don't say, oh, because I like to swim, I'm going to go, I'm not going to look. No. You go put yourself in that situation, you're going to be seeing what Allah does not want to see. So such a person lives his life in such a way that he only sees what Allah wants him to see. Of course, as human beings, it means that there's some things that are going to pass in front of your sight which Allah does not want you to see. However, the point is that you do not dwell on it. You look elsewhere. You change your circumstance. You find other options. So, you try your best. And most of your life, you will be seeing the things which are pleasing to Allah. Similarly, the hand with which he grasps, that is, the hand you earn your food, your daily needs through your hands, that what you earn is halal. What you take is halal. That is what Allah wants for you. So this is how you operate in life. You do not touch what is haram. Whether figuratively, as we said in the case of income, or literally, in the sense of, for example, the issue of shaking the hands of women. You know, this is something in Islam which is prohibited. But Muhammad has said, it would be better that an iron spike be driven in your head than for you to touch a woman to whom you could be married. This is something that the Prophet informed us. And as such, when a person has come close to Allah through these voluntary acts, they built on the basis of the compulsory acts and Allah loves that individual, such an individual will avoid contact, physical or metaphorical, with the things which are prohibited and displeasing to Allah.
And these are means for us to judge ourselves. If we think that we're doing voluntary deeds, we think that we're getting closer to Allah. But in fact, when we look at our situation, we find that we're touching or receiving things which are haram. We're looking at things which are haram. We're listening to things which are haram. It means for sure we are not amongst the beloved of Allah. We're not getting closer to Allah. We're going farther away from Allah. Because for sure, we don't, there's no middle point where you stand still. Either you're going closer to Allah or you're going away from Allah. So we have to take stock of ourselves and try to improve our practices. Allah talks about becoming the peace with which we walk, that is, where we go to, the places that we go are the places which are pleasing to Allah. Such a person, Allah says, if he asks of me, I will grant him. Allah promises to answer the prayers of such a person. And if he seeks my protection, I will protect him. That is confirmation of the very first statement that Allah made. That whoever becomes an enemy to a friend of Allah, one who is close to Allah, who is loved by Allah, such an individual has put himself in a state of war against Allah. And Allah will protect that person and will answer their prayers. So this hadith from has given us part of that method. A foundational principle in the method of becoming a better Muslim. One, we have to have confidence in Allah. That Allah will support us if we choose to serve Him. If we choose to submit to His will, to take the straight path, whatever difficulties we face, Allah will help us will protect us. That confidence we have to have. Otherwise, we will not be able to take that path. The path will be too difficult for us if we don't have that confidence. We'll be faced with the difficulties. We'll find ourselves too much. It's better I quit. I don't want so many problems in my life. Such a person will not improve, will not become a better Muslim. First, we must have confidence in Allah's help. Second, we must take stock of the basic pillars of Islam to be sure that we are doing these according to the way that Allah wants us to do it. Otherwise, we cannot go. This is the basis. This is what is most pleasing to Allah. So we have to develop that correctly. <coughs> then, we try to utilize our time to do voluntary acts of worship, fasting, Mondays and Thursdays, three days in the middle of the lunar month, 13, 14, 15, six days after Ramadan. These are all recommended times for fasting. We try to make this a regular part of our life. Every Monday, every Thursday, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that on Monday and Thursday, this is when the deeds 
are taken up to Allah. These are taken up and transcribed into a book in the heavens. And he said, he liked that when his deeds were lifted up, they were lifted up when he was in the state of fasting. So he recommended for us to fast every Monday and every Thursday. So this, we should try to make it part of our regular life. Voluntary acts that we do, that we try to make a part of our regular life pattern. Additional acts of charity, voluntary prayers, tahajjud, etc. The night, Umrah, whenever we can, Hajj, also if possible. We try to improve on our basic acts by doing voluntary acts which in, in fact improve the quality of our compulsory acts. Because the more that we do the voluntary acts also, the easier the compulsory acts become for us. The easier the compulsory acts become for us. And the more we're able to realize what it is Allah wants from us in them. And as Allah has promised in this hadith, in such a person who, who embarks on this path, such a person will then become a true friend of Allah. One who will see what Allah wants him to see, or her to see, hear what Allah wants them to hear, will do what Allah wants them to do, will go where Allah wants them to go. In that way, we can, inshallah, become better Muslims by applying this, the principles involved in this hadith which Prophet said. Related to this hadith is another statement of the Prophet reported by Ibn Abbas, in which he said that the Prophet said, نِعْمَتَانْ مَغْبُونٌ فِيهِمَا كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ السُحَّةِ وَالْفَرَاضِ There are two blessings about which most people are deceived, are defrauded, health and spare time. This is reported by Imam Bukhari also. Two blessings which Allah has given us, health and spare time. Most of us are defrauded. Defrauded meaning that this is something by which we could have improved the quality of our lives. However, Satan has tricked us. Satan has tricked us and we have not been able to benefit from them. So we have been defrauded. We have been deceived. We have been tricked. Good health. Why? Because people, when they have good health, there's so much of the voluntary things that they can do. But they don't do it. People think, when I get old, this is when I'll become a pious person. What happens though, that when people, you know, it's not just getting old. People get old, they get feeble. You can lose your health, you can become sick. 
And then, even to do the compulsory act becomes a great strain. So all your plans about doing all these voluntary acts now in your old age, when you had nothing else to do, right, you find yourself in a situation where you can hardly even do the compulsory. So you've been deceived. You've been fooled. The time when you should have been doing the maximum of voluntary acts was when you had good health. When you were still relatively young. This is when we have to try to do the maximum. Similarly, when we have spare time, we try to utilize that spare time to the maximum. Because we have no guarantee that we will have that spare time in the future. You know, oftentimes, we may have something good in mind to do. But then we find some kind of excuse to put it off. Whether it's reading Quran, or doing extra prayers, extra fast, whatever. We find, we find that some excuses come up to us. We say, oh, I'll do it next week, or I'll do it tomorrow, whatever. See, what ha- this, is, this is how Satan defrauds us. It's very important that the time that we have, we make the maximum of it. <coughs> This, this should be our approach. Whatever spare time we have, we should try to utilize it in the service of Allah. In doing things which are pleasing to Allah. It doesn't mean that to do that one becomes, you know, like a monk. You know, a person who doesn't have any kind of life, you know, beyond he's just in the masjid and from the masjid he goes home to eat and he comes back to the masjid. No. Islam is not saying this is, this is not the way of the Prophet. He didn't spend all his time in the masjid. He lived a complete life. However, what he did was that whatever time that he had, he utilized it in things which were pleasing to Allah. Because within those things, there are things which are pleasing to us also. It doesn't mean that whatever is pleasing to Allah is displeasing to us. No. Many of the things which Allah has prescribed for us, which are pleasing to Him, have in it pleasure for ourselves also. We have to find those things. We have to utilize the time to do those things. So that whatever of our time that we live, it will be of benefit to us on the day of judgment. The Prophet had further said in a hadith reported by Abu Huraira and collected by both Bukhari and Muslim. حجبت النار بالشهوات وحجبت الجنة بالمكاري The hellfire is veiled or veiled by desires and paradise by dislikes and calamities. We improve ourselves, we become better Muslims by utilizing our health to do as many voluntary acts as we can, by utilizing our spare time in things which are pleasing to Allah. This is a way of improving the quality of our life, improving our service to Allah, becoming better Muslims. At the same time, 
we have to be aware that the veil of the hellfire is our desire. The veil of the hellfire is our desire. Meaning what? Meaning, if we follow our desires, we'll go to hell. If we just do whatever we feel like doing, whatever we want to do, whatever is pleasing to us, we will end up in hell. Because our desires, if we do not keep them within the bounds that Islam has set, they become destructive to us and to our family, to our community, to the society. This is what is meant by the veil on hell is our desire. Removing of the veil is submission to the desire. Similarly, the veil on paradise are things which are not necessarily uh, pleasant to us. Many of the things which are not pleasant to us make up the veil on paradise. Meaning that we have to deal with many things which are unpleasant to us if we are to earn paradise for ourselves. We have to be clear on that. <coughs> Giving zakah is not pleasant. Nobody likes to give up their money, the money that they feel they've worked so hard for. Nobody likes to do this. Not pleasant. It's something we have to struggle with ourselves about. And we have to do this unpleasant thing. For us to grow, to become closer to Allah, for us to fulfill our duty to Allah. Similarly, Hajj is not a picnic. People go for Hajj thinking it's a picnic. But once they get there and they get into the crowds and the pressures and everything, it turns into something else. Turns into something else. To so perform Hajj in the way that the Prophet prescribed for us to perform Hajj, it is not pleasant. It is not pleasant. It means suffering. Suffering. People stepping on our feet, elbowing us, knocking us down, and we are not reacting. See? It becomes pleasurable to react. You know, according to Western psychology, they tell you if, you if you're mad about something, you should get it off your chest. You know, let it out. This is not the Islamic way. Sure, it's pleasurable. You feel better after you scream at somebody or you hit them or whatever. You feel a lot better. But the way, the correct way, is to control yourself. As I said, don't get angry. Don't get angry. You have to control your anger. This is not a pleasant thing. To fight with yourself, to control your anger, to bear the suffering that the people will put you through, this is not pleasant. But that's the way to paradise. For us to become better Muslims, to become the type of Muslims who will earn paradise, we have to deal with this reality. 
we have to solve it. To further emphasize that, the Prophet was reported by Maimuna to have said, Ad-dunya sijnul mu'min wa jannatul kafir. This world is a prison for the believer and paradise for the disbeliever. It's the same concept. Prison for the believer because he cannot let his or her desires just run wild, do anything they feel like. They are in a prison. They have to control their desires. It's a prison which they set for themselves. Whereas this believer, they can do anything they feel like. That's paradise. You know, when Allah describes paradise for us, you know, when we enter paradise, whatever you wish. That's how he describes it. You can have there whatever you wish. That's paradise. For the believer, that's in the next life, not in this life. If we're having whatever we wish, this is what the Prophet is telling us, if we're having whatever we wish, then we are in the paradise of the disbeliever, which is ultimately hell. Leads to hell. That's where the disbeliever ends up, in hell. So it means that we're doing whatever we feel to do now. It means that we are headed for hell. For us to realize, to grow, to be better Muslims, we have to come to grips with this reality. That we are not free in this life to do as we feel, as we please, as we wish. Because we seek paradise in the next. We trade the freedom to do whatever we wish in this life for that complete freedom in the next life. Because in this life, even though you try to do whatever you wish, you can't. You know, the freest of the Catholics disbelievers who have all the money and everything, still, they can't do everything they want to do. There's always things they can't do. This is why they end up into corruption, destroying their own lives, etc. Because there's no end. You can't do it all. However, in the next life, it is possible to do whatever you wish. In the full sense. So we trade knowing in this life it is not really possible. We trade it for that in life. This is what we do to become better Muslims. We have to make, make this trade. If we don't make this trade, we cannot become better Muslims. We may manage just to do the basics, but if we are giving rein to our desires, even the basics will be destroyed. We will only be going through ritual. Our basics will be ritualistic basics. We pray five times, but we'll be doing everything that the prayer is supposed to prevent. We fast, and we will be the worst of people, most unkind, ungenerous. 
So our pillars, our foundation becomes a blind ritual. Because we have not traded the freedom to do what we wish in this life for it in the next. On another occasion, Ibn Omar reported that the Prophet took a hold of his two shoulders, took a hold of his shoulders, and said to him, Being in this life as a stranger, you know, when you're a stranger in an area, you don't feel attached to this area. You know, you are, according to the definition here, we are all strangers. What they call adjuncts. We're all strangers here. We cannot live here in the sense of buy a home, do what you want to do, make this your home. You cannot make this your home. You're a stranger. So there are a lot of things you won't do here that you will do back home. You won't buy a lot of stuff that you know you'll have to leave behind here. When you're home, you'll buy all kinds of things because this is home. You buy it and you keep it here. But here you won't do this. You'll try to live with a minimum. You don't want to spend too much money here because it's not home. You're a stranger. That same way, where do you should look at this life? This is not the home. Home is the next life. This one here is a short period that we're here and we can't take anything with us. From this life, except our deeds. So this is how we should treat this life as a stranger. You only take what is necessary. Just as when you're working here, you only buy what is necessary. You buy all the things here, what is necessary. You need to live. You must have some stores, refrigerated basics to. So, so you get this much. Similarly, in terms of this life, you concentrate on the things which are necessary, which you will take with you which are useful to you, ultimately, good deeds. Or like a traveler, Prophet said, be like a traveler. Traveler, anyone who passes through a land, he's not attached to it. He passes through, he stops off, he knows to do what he has to do, and he keeps going. So he's not tied, he doesn't feel, you know, a part of this thing in the full sense. Similarly, this is the way that we have to look at this life for us to be better Muslims. All we're talking about here is the title of this presentation is How to Be a Better Muslim. Now, Prophet gave us certain things. See, what happens, as I said before, people, everybody ultimately wants to be a better Muslim in the sense that better Muslim means one who is guaranteed paradise. And you have a lot of people who are going to come and offer you a shortcut to be a better Muslim, to get paradise. However, these shortcuts, you know, whether it is some amulet, 
or some special dhikr that you say in the morning or the evening or you do this and do that. You know, a variety of little things that you do and when you do this, guaranteeing you paradise. This is Satan. Satan taking you away from the true path and on to the path of the devils. You end up in hell. This is taking you away. Because the path which will guarantee you to paradise is not an easy path. It is not an easy path. It is a difficult path. It involves struggle. True struggle. Struggle with yourself, with your family, with your community, with your society. You will be in a constant state of struggle. And these are the principles the Prophet has outlined for us. See, when we go back to the Sunnah, we go back to what the Prophet gave us, it is there. The path, the way is there. There is much which I have presented to you this evening, just a few hadiths of the Prophet. A few statements of it. In these few statements, there is so much. If we manage to do a quarter of it, Alhamdulillah, for sure we will be better Muslims. For sure we will be on that path. There is much to do. Plenty in the guidance of the Prophet This is why when he used to give a talk, he had a special opening speech he gave, which is called Khutbat al-Hajjah. And at the end of it he would say, إِنَّ أَصْدَقَ الْحَدِيثِ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ the most truthful of speech, of sayings, is the Book of Allah. And the best form of guidance is the guidance of Muhammad. His guidance is the best. So if we want to be better Muslims, we want to guarantee for ourselves paradise, then we have to go back to the guidance that He has given us, the way that He has provided for us. And this is what He was talking about. For us to improve ourselves, we have to treat this life as if we are strangers, travelers, taking from it what we know is necessary, what will remain with us which we will need for later on. That is, righteous deeds. We put our greatest efforts into doing righteous deeds. And we only take from this life the other things which are absolutely necessary for our survival. We try not to accumulate what we do not need. Ibn Omar, the same person who reported this hadith, he said something concerning it, which is reported by those who conveyed this statement of the Prophet ﷺ from him. He said himself, when you're in the evening, do not wait for the morning. In the evening, you find yourself in the evening, don't wait for the next morning. In other words, putting off things to the next morning for yourself to do. I'll do it tomorrow morning. Similarly, we're not to say, whether asbahd, salat and tawirin masa, 
And in the morning, when you find yourself in the morning, don't wait for the evening. Don't put off until the evening things that come to your mind, good things to do, in the morning. But like I said, this is the way that Shaitan, Satan, the devilish forces, cause you to miss out on the opportunities which Allah has given you in your life to serve Him and to come closer to Him by putting off from the morning to the evening, from the evening to the next morning. You went on to say, وَخُذْ مِنْ سِحَّتِكْ and take from your good health, when you have good health, for the time when you get sick. You try to do as much as you can when you're healthy. So, when you get sick and you're unable, you have surplus. And then, hayatika nemotik. And from your life, for the time of your death. You try to do as much as you can while living, so that you will have a surplus which will benefit you when you die and you can no longer do anymore. This was the advice of Ibn Omar. And a final statement, or I'll mention two more statements from the Prophet which have in it lessons for us to improve the quality of our Islam to become better Muslims. One, he said, concerning the dunya, this life, الدُّنْيَا مَلْعُونَةٌ مَلْعُونٌ مَا فِيهَا إِلَّا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ وَمَا وَلَّاهُ عَلِمًا وَمُتَعَلِّمًا The whole of this life is cursed. This world, this existence is cursed. Except the remembrance of Allah and things which assist us to remember Allah. A knowledgeable person and one seeking knowledge. This is it. He's telling us this so that we can take note. The remembrance of Allah in this life is critical because it is in the remembrance of Allah that we attain righteousness something that has been mentioned a number of times before. This is the essence of righteousness. It comes from the remembrance of Allah. This is why Allah said in the Quran, we establish the prayer why? To remember Allah. This is the basis of it all. For the remembrance of Allah. Because when we remember Allah, then we submit to Him. We submit our wills to His will. We obey Him. When we forget Him, then we disobey Him. So, everything in this world is cursed except the remembrance of Allah, things which we do which involve the remembrance of Allah, things which help us 
to remember Allah? said, you should choose your companions well. You'll be raised on the day of judgment with your companion. You choose somebody who reminds you of Allah. When you're with this person, they remind you of Allah. If you start to talk nonsense, they remind you, listen, don't talk nonsense. This is not pleasing to Allah. This is the type of people you want to have around you. So, everything is cursed except the remembrance of Allah and things which help us, people which help us, places which help us to remember Allah. A knowledgeable person, that is, that we seek the company of knowledgeable people or that we become knowledgeable people, or we are in that process. We are seeking knowledge. We don't feel that we know enough. We know what all we need to know. No. We need to learn more. We need to be with people either in the form of lectures or in the form of books because being with the scholars, reading a book of a scholar, which is being in that person's presence of learning, being in that process of learning, we should be reading books of hadith, books which explain for us how to practice the various practices that we are required to practice. The Qur'an, fundamentally, most important, we should be in that process of learning. And the last hadith which the Prophet uh, mentioned in this regard, which I am mentioning to you, and it's not the last hadith which he has mentioned, there are many other hadith. Again concerning the dunya, a man came to him and said to him, Could you show me a deed which when I do it, Allah will love me, it will cause Allah to love me, and cause the people to love me? You know? This is ideal. For us to do something which causes Allah to love us and to cause people to love us. The good state. Prophet said to him, Izhad fi dunya yuhibbuk Allah. Restrain yourself in this world and Allah will love you. Control yourself. Don't be excessive. Give up some of the things which are halal to you, but you really don't need it. Give it up, and Allah will love you. وَذْهَدْ فِيمَا عِنْدَ النَّاسِ يُحِبُّكَ النَّاسِ And restrain yourself concerning the things belonging to people and they will love you. That is, there are things which people have which you may have the opportunity to take from which will be halal to you. We're not talking about halal now. Because of course, halal is of course you know, going into a whole other category. We're talking about within the halal. There are things which are halal to you, which belong to people. So if you restrain yourself, hold back from taking these things, people will love you. 
part of the message of the Prophet for improving ourselves. We become better Muslims when we restrain ourselves in the various things that we have to do in this life, in this world. We don't make this world our goal. Put all of our efforts into gathering as much of this world as we can. When we take what we need and we utilize the rest of our energies to please Allah. Allah will love us. Similarly, when we're dealing with people, this will help to make our lives pleasant. People who may not appreciate that we have taken a particular path, which is one pleasing to Allah, where we do a lot of voluntary acts to try to avoid talking nonsense, being in the presence where people are, you know, expressing nonsense, or, you know, watching things which are haram, etc., etc. We try to remove ourselves from these things. We said that when we do this, of course, a lot of people are not going to like us. We're going to be looked at as like outcasts. People who don't want to be, we're no longer fun people. You know, we're no fun to be with. You know. At the same time, though we may be like that, if when we deal with people, we deal with them in this restrained manner, in this restrained manner, when we restrain ourselves, from taking of the things which people have, which are halal to us, but we don't take it. We let them keep it. They will love us. So, in spite of the difficulty of our situation, we can improve it by self-restraint in dealing with people's properties and uh, wealth, etc. So, in summing up, we said that to be a better Muslim, one must first be a good Muslim. That is, we have to establish the foundation of Islam in our lives. That which is compulsory, we have to deal with without any kind of Resistance. We have to make it a full-time commitment that we are going to do what Allah has commanded us to do. When we establish that, we can now begin the path of approaching Allah, coming closer to Allah, to become among the beloved of Allah. We do that by voluntary acts. Done for Allah directly, or voluntarily giving up certain things that we may take of this life, limiting ourselves to the things which are particularly beneficial for us in the next life, and taking from this life only what is necessary for our basic survival. This way, we can earn the love of Allah, we can come closer to Allah. We make use of our health, we make use of our spare time. We don't take vacations from Allah. There is no vacation.
from the remembrance of Allah, from serving Allah. No vacation. No matter what. We as men may say, well, in the case of women, you know, after childbirth, they got 40 days vacation. So no, it may be they are not required to make salah. That doesn't mean that they take a vacation from remembering Allah, no. They still have to remember Allah in the other things that they do during their day, when they get up in the morning, you know, remembering Allah, going to bed at night, remembering Allah, you know, uh, saying Bismillah before doing this and doing that. They have still have to remember Allah throughout their day. Actually, it's not really a vacation at all. There is no vacation. So we don't have spare time that we waste. We utilize our spare time to serve Allah voluntarily. We utilize our good health to do as much of the voluntary acts as we can before we reach a time when we can't, either by dying or becoming too old or too weak to do the things that we want to do. Similarly, we realize that we are not free to do whatever we wish in this life. Because that is the path to health. And we really cannot do whatever we wish in this life anyway. Only what Allah will allow us to. However, in the next life in paradise, we will be able to. So we trade the right to do whatever we wish in this life for doing it completely in the next life. According to the will of Allah, and we also realize that the vast majority of things that we may find unpleasant, difficult, these are the things that we have to put our utmost effort in doing because they are the things which will carry us to paradise. And in closing, we have to remember that whether we consider ourselves to be a stranger in this life or not, we are strangers. Prophet advised us to be as a stranger. We are strangers in that the period of time that we spend here is short, and when we die, we cannot take the majority of what we have accumulated with us. We can't take it. Just as if they gave you an exit visa tomorrow, you've got to leave the country, there's only so much that you can take with you. Same way, when the angel of death comes, the only thing you can take with you are your deeds. So, you are a stranger. Whether you realize it or not, it is for you to realize it. And if you do, then you can become a better Muslim who would then be beloved to Allah and would then, inshallah, attain paradise in the next life and would be blessed in whatever we do in this life. As Prophet said, the life of the true believer, the one who is close to Allah, is a very strange and amazing thing. It's all good. And this is only the case of the believer. When a calamity befalls him, he is patient, and Allah rewards him for it, 
And when good comes to him, he's thankful to Allah. And Allah also rewards him for it. I will stop here, inshallah, and um, allow you all to ask any questions you'd like to ask you know, concerning the topic, being a better Muslim. Actually, if I were to go on to the um, section that I mentioned on the bid'ahs, you know, then it would not give you an opportunity to uh, ask questions. So what I'll do is just save these bid'ahs to the next session, or if people have asked whatever questions they wanted to ask, and there is still a reasonable amount of time that I can briefly mention just examples of certain bid'ah in the various practices, you know, of uh, the various acts that we are required to do as Muslims. is um, satisfied with what it means to be a better Muslim? includes work. So, if we are working, there are a variety of principles which Allah has provided for us through the Prophet for dealing with work in such a way that it is pleasing to Allah. 
See, if we come to work and we think of work as being separate, you know, we have the other part of our life which we can try to find time to deal with Allah, but then during work time, it's like we have to, we are now become slaves to the dunya. See, this is a mistake on our part. Because this period of time when we're working, this should not really be any different from the period of time when we're not, work, when we're not working. It is all one. There is guidance from Islam for the time when we're working as for the time when we're not working. So it means from the time that you start the job in the morning, whatever your job is, there are things which Allah requires of you. That you try to remember these things, you try to do your work in accordance with the law of Allah. By doing that, you are utilizing your time for the pleasure of Allah. You see, you are dealing with your basic needs because you're here in this life. You have to, some things you have to provide. But at the same time, you're not letting that become so important that you now forget Allah. But you do it according to how Allah wants you to do it. So you're honest in your dealings. There are opportunities for you to steal things, you know, to, to, uh, to cut corners, you know, to, to, to cheat, to lie. All these different opportunities are there. You know, working in a hotel. You know, you may be dealing with corrupt people. These corrupt people may have some things that are very attractive. You know, how do you deal? You know, this is your work. Now, you are tested. Now you are tested. Will you obey Allah? You know this person is a corrupt person. What do you do? You advise the person to become good. And if the person is displeased and doesn't, you know, despises you, then you avoid them. So in your work, in the course of your work, you're pleasing Allah. You're commanding the good, you're prohibiting the evil. You're avoiding the evil, you're seeking the good. So, it is a 24-hour affair. These things you will be doing, some of them will be compulsory things, some of them will be voluntary things. Do you understand? You're doing a job, you're told to do a particular job. This job requires you, you know, to do a specific thing. However, there are other things that you can do, which you may not get money for, but it is part of doing your job well. You understand? I mean, you can do a job which is the bare minimum. Nobody can say you didn't do your job. But then they're doing your job well. You know, in the, law, in the Prophet ﷺ has said, in the law, you should go, but Allah loves from each of you that when you do something, you do it well, as best as you can. So by doing that again, you're pleasing Allah. There's no reward. There's some people looking at each other reward. If I do this extra, they're not going to pay me anymore. My salary is not going to increase. You know? Or, if a person decides to do extra, he's doing it, I'm going to do this extra so that the, um, my, advisor, my supervisor will see that I'm a hard worker and he'll give me a better job. I'm not doing it for enough. Both places, the person is missed out. Right? It is beneficial to him when it is a voluntary act for the pleasure of Allah to fulfill what Allah requires of him. It may also earn him that extra. 
But he's not concerned primarily, he's not doing it primarily for that extra. He's doing it for the pleasure of Allah. So, I'm sure, you know, and I'm just talking in a general sense. If I knew exactly what your job is and you outlined exactly what you did, we could find thousands of different ways that we could, you could please Allah in your nine hours of work. By doing compulsory acts as well as by doing voluntary acts. Another speaker, as you rightly mentioned, we are strangers in this uh, Islamic country. We have come here to work, to earn some money for the building of our community. In the process of our duty, if you take uh, on a Friday, while working, our superiors, they don't allow us or anyone to go for the mountain. In a situation like that, if the employee disobeys the supervisor, he will lose his job. At the same time, if he disobeys Allah, he will get the reputation of Allah. In a circumstance like that, what can the individual do? What action can he do? Well, there are different actions which can be taken here in this life. And there are other actions which can be taken, you know, for the next life. In terms of this situation here, we know that the laws of the country do or are supposed to provide for the basic needs of Muslims. So there may be, and I'm sure there are some individuals here, who if they were aware of this uh, prohibition which exists where people are prevented from making their that they would intervene and cause the situation to change. So it requires it means that one, people may seek such individuals, try to find uh, such influential individuals who can uh, cause the situation here to change. Uh, that's one approach. Another approach may be for people as a whole it may be, you see, if one person decides to go to Juma, that one person can be fired and there's no big problem. But if all the people go to Juma, then likely they cannot fire the whole staff one time and, and you know, because the whole uh, functioning of the place will not take place if everybody walks off. So it may require group action. Okay. That's another approach. The third approach, what one has to do is to look into the situation personally, you as an individual. Is your work here absolutely necessary? You see, if you cannot find work at home, there is no work available for you. Your family, if you do not work here and send this money back home, they will starve. They will be out on the street. They will have no place to live. So it's a matter of survival. I mean, purely, truly, I don't mean in the philosophical sense, because what happens sometimes people get up in the philosophical sense of survival, you know, survival meaning having a nice house with a lot of nice things and an extra car and all these other things. I'm not talking about basic survival. Okay. So, if a person is in a situation where for basic survival, 
they have to do this job, and of course, Allah is most merciful. Most merciful. The person feels repentant, they feel bad about the situation, but they're only doing it as long as it is necessary. Once it no longer becomes necessary, then they have to quit. And if they're in a position where this in fact is not necessary, they can find other jobs, maybe not as well paying, and but other jobs are available. They have certain skills which are marketable. They can get money without having to compromise their duty to Allah. Then it becomes compulsory for them to give up the job and find another job wherein they do not disobey Allah. Because for sure, to disobey or to displease Allah in order to please our families, our friends or whatever, is misguided. This is what we spoke about in terms of hell being veiled by our desires. This is our desires. We desire to please our family. We desire to live a pleasurable life. To live a comfortable, pleasurable life. And if we give rein to this desire, you see, at the expense of our duty to Allah, then we have destroyed our life in the sight of Allah. So we have to analyze. We try to do what we can as individuals, as a group. We have to look at our own personal situation and judge and be sure, be certain. And the thing again, because what happens is that people think, oh, if I give up this job, what am I going to do? Who is going to provide for me? For my family, see, all these what happens is that the person is not taking a step trusting in Allah. Not believing that if they do make a sacrifice to please Allah, that Allah will help them. So they're afraid. They're more afraid of the dunya and what will happen to them in the dunya than what will happen when they displease Allah. See, this is part of it, big part of it. People do not have trust in Allah as they should. And of course, this trust is not a blind trust. You know, Islam is not saying you just cast everything away and say, you know, Allah will take care of me. No. You know, you have to strive. But you know that, you see, when you sacrifice and you strive, Allah will support you. He will help. But there is a way. Because Allah does not burden any of us in this life in a way which is too great for us to handle. Whatever difficulty will come ease. He's promised that. As we believe He is Allah, He is the one who has created the universe and all that is happening is according to His destiny. As we believe that, or we don't. If we believe that it means that He promised if not, the difficulty is going to come in. It means that if we make a sacrifice, we may find ourselves in a period of difficulty, but a period of ease will come in which our life 
will improve or take a better path or be bearable. Something that becomes your daily pattern. You know, your life, that's it. Now you're just making, you're only praying three times a day. Right? This is, this is something else. We're talking about circumstances which will arise from time to time. And in those circumstances, you're allowed to join in. This is in Sahih Muslim. Prophet did this. And the prayer itself can be done standing or it can be done sitting. It can be finished in a few minutes. 
And no matter what work situation you find, you will have an opportunity to make the prayer if you want to make it. You see? Sometimes people will not pray because they don't want the non-Muslims to see them pray. And so they won't pray. If only they can't pray, but they won't because they don't want them to see them. You see? And people, people may do this. There may be a variety of different reasons why people will not pray in the correct time. But if a person wants to pray, they fear Allah, there will be a way. For sure. There will be. Yeah. I mean, going to the masjid is preferable, but it is not compulsory. 